Right, a warm welcome to uh, Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. How are you today? It's the 11th of October, 2023. My name is Richie Allen. You can reach out to me during the programme. Use the app, use the app or comment via richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, it's good to be with you. It always is. Thank you for joining me. I've got two fantastic guests lined up for you today. Joe Radley and Peter Ebden return to the Richie Allen Show. I cannot wait. As you know, Peter is a former world snooker champion, former UK champion, multiple title winner, but he's a professional healer too. He qualified at the College of Healing in Malvern. And it was there he met Joe Radley. Joe's a teacher. Uh, she's been a full-time therapist since 1996. She teaches at the Healing College in Malvern, as I said. Wonderful people. We have lots to talk about with them, and we'll do that in a little over a half hour's time. You you can join in with questions as well and comments because Joe and Peter, they welcome the interaction, so do that. So that promises to be very, very interesting, very educational, and I think it'll be entertaining as well. Peter's in great form. Because one of the players that he advises, he acts as a mentor for some professional players. There's a great Jack Lazowski is going great guns in Wuhan in China. The Wuhan, is it the Wuhan Classic, Peter? Or the Wuhan Open? He's out there and he had a big win today, did Jack. Final frame uh, decider. He plays Mark Allen tomorrow as the pistol. So Peter and uh, Jack Lazowski doing really well. Now, Sky News at three today. I want to, I don't want to rush through, but I want to get through as much of this as possible. Uh, by the way, Gerald Salente will be on the programme tomorrow, second hour. Really looking forward to catching up with him. It's been a long time. Been chatting with uh, Gerald in recent days. What else did I want to tell you? Yes, the programme is sponsored this week by Nutrahealth365.com. Boost and prepare your immune system for this coming winter without any jabs. Without any jabs. Boost it by going to Nutrahealth365.com. So I want to get through as much of this as I possibly can, but can't even much going on regarding Palestine, regarding Israel. Uh, here is a clip from Sky News at 3 p.m. today, presenter called Kamali. Good afternoon. Now, in the past few minutes, it's been announced that the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and the leader of the opposition, Benny Gantz, have agreed to form a unity emergency government and war cabinet. Meanwhile, the power is out in Gaza after Israel brought in what it described as a total siege, limiting electricity, food and water following those attacks on Saturday morning by Hamas. Now, Sky News understands that 17 Britons, including children, are feared missing or dead following those weekend attacks. The British Foreign Secretary, James Cleverley, is in Israel this afternoon in what the Foreign Office is calling a sign of the UK's unwavering solidarity. Unwavering solidarity with Israel. So Foreign Secretary James Cleverley has flown into Tel Aviv and he's there to show solidarity with the Israelis. Things are working out well for Benjamin Netanyahu, aren't they? As bent a politician as ever worked in any government. So he's got Benny Gantz to form a unity government with him and they're going to, well, basically initiate a war council while troops are massing. There's no border. Troops are massing on the fence 
the fence that pens in the Palestinians in Gaza. So what what is left of Gaza is about to be flattened. Thousands will die. The propaganda war, dear listener, always precedes the invasion. It doesn't matter which war you 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 care to to refer to historically. Propaganda precede, precedes even the invasion. You will of course by now heard this nonsense. This is Marie van der Zyl from the boards of deputies of British Jews. She was on Talk TV this morning uh, speaking to Jeremy Kyle, would you believe it? Pound shop, Jerry Springer. I've spoken to numerous politicians and we're now in the situation where the BBC are not recognising exactly what you have said. It's murderous. I said earlier it's barbaric. It's so barbaric. You, you, can't, you can't easily say it. I'll say it for you. Babies have been beheaded. What? Babies have been what now? This is an interesting one. Say it for you, babies have been beheaded. Keep that in mind. It can't get any worse. It's absolutely essential that everyone understands this was an unprovoked war, a war of barbarism and violence. It's not acceptable. Will Jeremy Kyle put a stop to this and say we don't have any evidence that babies were beheaded? Will he even interject to say, well, look, Whatever went on in the last few days, nobody condones it. Everybody has condemned it. But Marie, surely you don't support the genocide that's about to take place in Gaza. No, Jeremy Kyle joins in with the nonsense. And, and, so, sorry. I, I would ask. Sorry, can I jump? Get, there's a reason for me doing this, because a lot of people wouldn't have read this out. Because you're a propagandist, Jeremy. Because they'd have thought that it's the wrong thing to say. And I make no apology for this. Talk is about honesty. This is the thing that this article also says. They're referring to an article in the Mail Online. I think it may very well have been written by Angela Epstein, who uh, often appears on panel shows talking about the news. She's a Jewish woman. She's been in Israel. And Epstein, in her article, lambasts celebrities in the UK who haven't spoken out against the crimes of Hamas. Keep that in mind. Most prestigious universities, there's a deafening silence from those social commentators and those administrators who jumped up and down, quite rightly about George Floyd and quite rightly about Ukraine. But I'm sorry, there's a lot of people who sit and they go, oh, but hold on a minute, the atrocities, what about Gaza? I get that, but this is an affront and an attack unprovoked on the Jewish community in its entirety. And that's what people need to understand. Wonderful. That's propaganda you heard there. That isn't journalism, not by any stretch of the imagination beheaded babies. You might remember the daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador to the US claiming more than 30 years ago that Iraqi soldiers had ripped babies from incubators, killing them in Kuwaiti hospitals. It turned out to be bullshit. Absolute nonsense. It's the sort of propaganda that countries use, they weaponize it before they go and invade another country. So this was playing very well in the United States as the United States was ramping up its military machine for Gulf War One. You heard Kyle. Does that sound like ger- journalism? It's propaganda. He's a propagandist. Israel's lobby is working overtime here in the UK. And Jeremy Kyle wants to condemn folks for keeping their opinions to themselves. It's not good enough these days to say nothing or to hold your counsel. I'll tell you what, I'll hold my peace and I'll reserve my opinion for maybe another day. No, 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 you've got to be visibly condemning something because if you're not visibly condemning it, we can take it as a fact that you condone it. This is how it is now. This is a fascist state, this country. 
I've been saying this for years. This is this is how it happens, right? So Sheila Fogarty today used to be used to be Nikki Campbell's pal on BBC Breakfast. These days works for LBC Radio. Listen to this tosh from Sheila Fogarty. Keep in mind what, what my central thesis: the propaganda war comes before the ground war, the invasion. Listen to this again, dressed up as journalism. And if you can't see that Hamas is the same now and has has been for a long time, but it's just shown us in no uncertain terms of the weekend that it's the same as Islamic State, Al-Shabaab. What? You name them, Boko Haram, the, the terrorist groups purporting to be resistance freedom fighters who will do anything, anything. It, it happened in Syria. I mean, the stuff that was going on in Syria... Uh, she burped on air there. I found this hilarious today. She burped on air, forgetting there's a camera in front of her. I mean, the stuff that was going on in Syria. Uh, in both directions. I'm going to start doing that. I might get more listeners. I don't know. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe this is why the LBC has a million listeners a week and I don't. Just going to start burping on air, you know. It's absolutely terrible what Israel has been doing for 75 years. Uh, you know, and, and maybe that's it. That's what I'm missing. War is horrendous. War is horrendous. That's my message this hour. War is horrendous. War is a failure. But I was keen to ask what you think Israeli proportionality is. Because Israelis aren't going to be going door to door. Listen to this. Israelis are not going to be going door to door, she says. She has no sense of irony, this clown. No sense of irony whatsoever. Israelis aren't going to be going door to door in Gaza. There won't be any doors, love. Killing babies in their beds in front of their parents, raping their mothers in front of them. But they've been bombarding Gaza for the last 48 hours, blowing up apartment blocks. What was left of it? They've killed countless, hundreds maybe, of people in Gaza, including children. No sense of irony whatsoever. Their husbands before killing their husbands and then beheading people or shooting dogs in the street left, right and centre, for, for sport and then putting it up on social media. Israeli soldiers aren't going to be doing that. She's uh, off her head, really, isn't she? <laughs> you know, she's off her tablets. The Israeli soldiers won't be shooting dogs. They won't be going door to door. The Israelis have been torturing, murdering, maiming and ruining the lives of Palestinians for over 70 years, love. I, I, I don't know where you've been, you know. Settlers, Israeli settlers who are transported to the West Bank to bulldoze the homes of Palestinian people, steal their land, Right, so Israel does go door to door to door in the West Bank, if not in Gaza. It does go door to door and steals land and homes, displaces families, and settlers often shoot and kill those who resist. Israel kidnaps and tortures children. It imprisons Palestinians in Israeli jails and denies their family and their legal counsel the right to come and see them. It carpet bombs Gaza, it's doing it now. Since 2000, according to the Defence for Children International, since 2000, wait for it, the occupation, not the air raids, not the air raids, not shootings, listen, the occupation itself has led to the deaths of 2,200 children since 2000. Again, not including kids killed by assaults on Gaza. So they've killed thousands. They've maybe killed 10,000 children in the last 23 years. But uh, Sheila Vericker says uh, the Israelis won't do any of that. Palestinians beaten, humiliated, often murdered at checkpoints for sport. What planet is Fogarty on? That's propaganda. That is propaganda, you see. 
because of what is to come in the coming days. Did you see the tweet? Of course you didn't because you don't follow me on Twitter. You fancy yourself, Baldy, huh? You don't follow me on Twitter, fair enough. I put a tweet out today because an Israeli Defence Forces spokesman told the BBC today, this is true, he said he hoped that public support would continue for Israel after the fighting intensified. And then he says, even when, this is a quote, even when the scenes coming out of the Gaza Strip will be more difficult to understand and cope with, end quote. Listen to that. We hope public support will continue for us even when, quote, the scenes coming out of the Gaza Strip will be more difficult to understand and cope with. I am not being disingenuous or I'm not being a smart arse when I say that translates to please don't criticise us when you see us bombing men, women and children to smithereens. Please don't criticise us. So the media here is the propaganda wing of Israel. Dissent will not be tolerated. You know... <laughs> It just won't be. Kay Birdie, Sky News, asked the Defence Secretary Grant Shapps about international law because surely it cannot be right to imprison people in a space like Gaza. Two million people, by the way, and cut off their water, cut off their fuel, cut off their electricity, basically turn it into dark. Surely that's against the law, Kay Birdie, asks Grant Shapps. Hearing from the EU um, and also some UN comments uh, that uh, Israel is breaking international law by not allowing civilians in Gaza to have access to food and to heat and to water. What would you say in response to that? Well, well, I, I just say, look, this very early days, they've had to seal the border because, uh, the, the, for obvious reasons, because Hamas terrorists have just murdered indiscriminately in terrorist fashion uh, a lot of Israelis. I read this morning 1,200 and many, many others uh, harmed and that number uh, uh, injured and that number is bound to rise um, still. Um, So, you know, we in the United Kingdom absolutely defend Israel's right to do uh, what they need to do now to go after Hamas. Uh, of course, uh, they, they need to respect international law and my conversations with Israelis. Uh, we've, of course, uh, talked about all of that. But uh, as I said, I think that some of this is a bit of a distraction from the reports still coming through, uh, including um, the potential that babies have been beheaded. The potential that babies have been beheaded. And uh, festival goers were slaughtered. Yeah, the baby beheaded bullshit again. I don't have any proof that babies were not beheaded. I have no proof. I don't claim. I have never claimed on this program. I've never made any claim where where I haven't had any evidence to back it up, which is why most of the time I say this is my opinion. I don't have any evidence that babies were not beheaded, and I'm not stupid. I. I can accept there are people bad enough on planet Earth who would behead babies. I can accept that. I've seen some of the videos that came out of Syria in 2012, 2013, 2014. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, So I can accept it, but I don't buy it in this case because, ironically, they said 40 babies were beheaded. It was 40 babies, 35 or whatever it was years ago in, in Kuwait that that had been thrown out of incubators. I just don't buy it. It's propaganda. I'll give you an example, right? You know, before the United Nations, um, you know, uh, ruled on the partitioning of Palestine, leading to the creation of the State of Israel, all illegal, by the way, stories were appearing in newspapers and in books claiming that German soldiers had skinned 
dead Jewish people and had made lampshades out of their skin. And other stories were along the lines of that Jewish prisoners who had been murdered, their bones had been melted and soap had been made for the crazy, cruel, psychotic Nazis to bathe themselves with. Now, I, as a young boy, read some of this stuff because I was a voracious reader and it disturbed me greatly. It really did. Children shouldn't read this stuff let alone hear it. But I read it, I couldn't. It was disgusting, right? We, we learned in school about the Holocaust and what happened. It's terrible. And I read this stuff and I thought it's disgusting. Now, some years later, as a, as, a, as a young adult, I learned that those stories were horse manure. And as an inquisitive young man, I was obviously bound, I was prone to wonder why. Because what happened to Jewish people in that period of time was horrendous. I visited Dachau, I've talked about it before, it was a a very weird, a very horrible experience. The energy there was horrible and I didn't know anything about energy. Terrible things, unspeakable things. So why would you make stuff up? I mean, there's no need to. There's no need to add legs onto what happened. And then it occurred to me, and this is just a supposition, because these things were happening just before the partitioning of Palestine. And maybe this was propaganda to justify what was going to happen in the next five to ten years in Palestine, which was seven, eight hundred thousand Palestinians being displaced. Maybe. Now, I could be talking tosh, I often do, but I wonder why else would you make up stories like that? Lampshades and stuff, horror stories. You know, the imagination of people like Stephen King, even Stephen King wouldn't go there. You're talking Saw, Saw 2 and Saw 3. Who would invent that stuff? I'll leave that there, right? And this is why I believe the beheaded babies. Because it is just before they go and commit the most egregious crimes against humanity with their ground invasion. So let's try and get our retaliation in first. Let's weaken, in advance, let's weaken the inevitable outcry when the Israeli army walks down Main Street in Gaza, killing everything that moves. A Médecins Sans Frontières doctor, I can never say that. Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières. Uh, A doctor was on the BBC, he's in Gaza, really nice guy. Um, what's happening there, doctor? Actually, the, the I mean, uh, I mean, it's you cannot describe actually what is the situation now. I mean, I've been here since twenty years. I I managed to see the to witness as well the the previous wars. I think this is one of the intense and horrible ones. In the five days, things are really deteriorating dramatically. Uh, on the ground, on the level of the hospitals, the basic life things are not available. Uh, the situation is really horrible. This is what I can really say. The Palestinian Authority has been saying that 60% of the injured are men, uh, are women and children. Is that what you're seeing at first hand? This guy is completely independent, this guy, the Medicine Sans Frontiers doctor, completely independent, right? He's not working with Hamas, he's not working with the Palestinian Authority, he's in there as a volunteer. Is it 60% women and children? I can confirm to you as well uh, from our teams who are working in the hospital and in the surgical department that 60% exactly of the of the wounded who were who arrived to the hospitals are children and women. Lovely. Women and children. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the BBC guy asked him an interesting question. We've heard from Israel's Prime Minister that this is only the beginning. Given what you've just said, can you imagine 
what the coming days are going to be like and on a, a human level for you trying to work to operate to look after people with all of this shelling going on around you give me an idea of what that is like as well before we hear what it's like dear listener have you seen the images coming out of gaza photographs and videos taken by drones have you seen the state of it right so he said to the doctor netanyahu i said it's only the beginning so if it's only the beginning and we look at the destruction and the death that we've seen already in in 48 hours what's coming then doctor really i don't want to imagine if, I mean, if it's really real, I don't want to imagine. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's terrifying now. If it could continue continues for more days, I think there will not be any more Gaza. No more Gaza. If it continues, no more Gaza. That's the plan, you see. I don't believe it's the plan in the heart of most ordinary Israelis. Even though Israeli kids are brought up to believe that Arabs hate them and want to kill them. And pretty much everybody else hates them and wants to kill them, which isn't true. But this is the indoctrination that goes on. So I have sympathy with Israelis. You know, if you do that to children, if you bring them up and you tell them that everybody in the world is your enemy and you're God's chosen people, right? But I still believe in my heart of hearts that most Israelis are human beings and they don't want to see Gaza wiped off the map. But their leaders do. And their leaders, leaders do. The hidden hands, they want to see it wiped off the map. Yeah, no more Gaza, says the doctor. Wonderful. Fantastic. Um, Jog Ears has weighed in. You know Jog Ears, the guy who married a horse on the Jerry Springer show? He did. Here he is. Um, here's Nicholas Witchell talking about Jog Ears. A very robust statement from Britain's head of state, King Charles III. His spokesman this afternoon has said that His Majesty is appalled by and condemns the barbaric acts of terrorism in Israel. And the spokesman goes on... Not by Israel, not. ...on to say that this is a situation which His Majesty is extremely concerned about and he's asked to be kept actively updated. His thoughts and prayers are with all of those who are suffering, particularly those who have lost loved ones, but also those actively involved as we speak. Now, we... His thoughts and prayers are with the Israeli Defence Forces as they mass and surround Gaza for the ground invasion. So Jug Ears is weighed in. What about the heir apparent? What about the heir apparent? Um, before that, though, I wonder, did Jug Ears watch the Savile docudrama on the BBC, and did he breathe a sigh of relief that he wasn't mentioned? Of course not. He knew he wouldn't get a mention because he's probably an executive producer, isn't he, Jug Ears? He's got money in it. The Crown has got money in it. Anyway, uh, poor, poor Israel. Are we all Israelis now, then? Um, here's Jabba the Hutt, LBC breakfast boy, with the heir apparent Keir Starmer. Are we all Israel now? The Football Association is still deciding whether to or whether to not display the colours of the Israeli flag on the Wembley Arch for the football match this Friday. You will Should we have the Israeli colours emblazoned on Wembley's famous arch this Friday before the England game to show our solidarity with poor Israel? Poor, poor Israel. We'll be aware they did it in Ukraine as support for Ukraine. Uh, many people say this is, quotes a no-brainer. Uh, the colours should be on the Wembley Arch. Do you agree? I do think that they should be on the Arch because I think the message has to go out that we stand with Israel. The UK stands with Israel and 
that is a manifest manifestation of that support. You know, I'd rather be a scouser than a cuckold. You know that. I was just thinking that today. What is worse? I'm, I'm joking, by the way. Liverpool fans and friends, I'm joking. I'd rather clean toilets at a peep show than be a cuckold like Starmer. Um, Starmer was asked, of course, as well, about the no fuel, no heat, no electricity, against international law, no water for the Palestinians, starve them to death. Um, does he agree with it? I'm very clear. Israel must have that, does have that right to defend herself. Um, and Hamas bears responsibility. A siege is appropriate? Cutting off power? Cutting off water? Well, I think that Israel does have that right. It is an ongoing situation. There speaks a psychopath, dear listener. The presenter says to him, listen, is it okay to completely block it off? No fuel, no heat, no light, no electricity, no nothing. No water. Yep, yep, says Starmer, I think Israel has the right. There speaks a psychotic bastard. 24 minutes past the hour. It's the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's edition with me, Richie Allen. Coincidentally, you will be delighted to be listening to Joe Radley and Peter Ebden shortly. They're standing by, limbering up. And in the wings, we have a green room here at BBG Towers. A green room, yeah. It's a room that was painted green, that's about all. Uh, So Starmer, yeah, it's okay, no problem. What about Starmer's mate, the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman? Did somebody tell me today that Braverman wants to ban people from owning a Palestinian flag or or displaying it at least? Surely not. I mean, this programme, is a programme, sorry, this country, this society has lurched towards totalitarianism in the past three years. They're not going to proscribe a flag, are they? Really? Jonathan Swain, reporter for Good Morning Britain. Well, Susanna, the UK supporting Israel abroad, also supporting Israel here at home as well, because Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, has been visiting the Jewish community in North London this week to reassure them uh, that there'll be extra police patrols in Jewish communities. She's also written to the police forces uh, in the country as well to say, for, warning them to take a, a zero-tolerance approach to anti-Semitism, even uh, suggesting and saying to them that waving a Palestinian flag or flying it could be deemed as breaking the law or glorifying terrorism. Wow. Waving a flag or flying it from your window can be construed as glorifying terrorism. Could be deemed as breaking the law or glorifying terrorism. It's deliciously dystopian in Britain now, isn't it? You know, isn't it amazing, really? Or, 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 and here's more propaganda. No, I'm not going to play any more of that. 26 minutes past the hour, you're with the Richie Allen Show. Indeed you are. It's sponsored this week by NutraHealth365.com. Eamon, my pal, prepare, prepare yourself for winter. Boost that immune system with some amazing things like quercetin and vitamin D3. Get on to NutraHealth365.com. I'm back with you in 30 seconds time. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> A robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from Nutra Health 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. 
Right, we're, we're back all of a sudden. Yes, uh, thank you for your comments, by the way. I really appreciate them. Uh, Caroline says, or Caroline and Mike together, they speak as one voice. When has football ever been political? Whatever happened to just team scarves and oranges at halftime? Uh, jumpers for goalposts, yeah, I remember those days. Hi to G-Man, who says, Notice the first three things they do when starting a war. Cut power, communications and water. Funny how Russia didn't do that when it started a war in Ukraine, but Russia probably couldn't have done that. Could it, G-Man? Deprived Ukraine? Doesn't Ukraine have an independent power supply? I I would imagine it does do, but listen, I I take your point. Uh, Tim says, Ferrari has had Israel's lad in his mouth all week. It's nauseating to listen to. Paul says, I think you're right about World War II. This is part of the why, but the prophecy stuff leading up to, to now... No, I'm not reading that. You've got to read them out loud before you send it to me. Because I can't read that. It doesn't make any sense, Paul. And you usually have something pretty uh, cogent to tell me. So you might type that out again and send it to me, please. Um, Jacob says, Richie, I've watched videos of Israeli women saying that they were unharmed by those Palestinians they came across. They were told not to worry as no harm would come to them and they were left alone. I haven't seen those clips myself. Jacob, maybe you might send a link or post a link somewhere. He says the MSM will not use these clips. Yes, but Hamas have definitely indiscriminately shot civilians. It has done that. I'm convinced of it. And that's disgusting. It's as bad. Murdering somebody, regardless of what flag you wear or which uniform you wear, murdering somebody in cold blood is, is, is unforgivable. It's inexcusable. And I, and, I, and I condemned it, not because I felt I had to. I, I make an independent radio show. I've spent most of my career criticising the Israeli government and Zionism as an ideology. So I don't say that to curry favour with anybody. Zionists used to come on this programme to argue with me back in the day. They were entertaining and sometimes informative interviews. Not anymore. They refused to come on. But um, look, murder is murder. And shooting up a a concert event and killing people, going from home to home and shooting people, that's murder. It's despicable. You know, I've said before, I will listen to somebody who makes an argument about targeting soldiers. Like, if you've lived in the Gaza Strip, if you've grown up there, if you've grown up with that apartheid, the crimes against humanity, as detailed by Amnesty last year, when Amnesty finally grew a pair and called Israel out for what it is, right? If you put yourself in that situation and nobody cares about you, are Israeli army serving personnel legitimate targets? Now, if somebody came on this programme to make that argument, I would listen to it. I would play devil's advocate, but I would listen to it. If they said they under, you know, they would understand if young Palestinian men formed militias and took on a guerrilla warfare approach, you know, strike at military positions in Israel and then try to get back into Gaza, <clears throat> much as I despise and hate violence, I would listen to the argument. But killing unarmed people civilians, whether those civilians served in the IDF 20 years ago or 10 years ago or not, is not the issue for me. It's wrong, in my opinion. But I represent every opinion on this programme. Gillian said, read the beheading of babies, Richie. I read today this came from a soldier who told a reporter. That's right. It was initially reported by an Israeli woman on the ground and then Sky and the BBC started mentioning it. But to be fair to Sky, by mid-morning this morning, they were pulling back on it. 
and they were not repeating it and they were not reporting it, you know. So there you go. David says, Richie, the whole rave party uh, part of the story in front of a concentration camp is hard to get past. So many messages on this. Hi to Justin who says, hello from Sandwood Bay, north coast of Scotland. Settled in for a beer and a steak and a listen to the Richie Allen Show. Thank you so much, Justin. Hi to Patricia who says, there won't be much of a fight in Gaza where the average age is 18 and 50% of the population are children. You're absolutely right. Hi to Seamus uh, who sent me a link. Seamus, I don't think I can open that up on the on the app. I'll try. You might send it again to the message forum on richieallen.co.uk if you don't mind, Seamus. Thank you very much. It's about electric buses in Bradford. Somebody else has sent me something as well. And Phil says, when the UK takes the side of criminal Israel, what will all the fit-fighting young men being shipped into the UK, whose side will they take? I think you mean what about fit-fighting men. Stephen says, fish in a barrel, that's what they'll be in Gaza. Don says, I think that Iran will become involved in the Middle East war because Israel will accuse Iran of funding Hamas. Thank you very much for that, Don. There's so many of these. Rob says, wouldn't now be the perfect time for Putin to finish Ukraine while all the MSM is focused on Israel? Or just maybe that is all bullshit too, he says. Uh, Gillian says, the world's a lunatic asylum, Richie, I'd put my head in the oven if I could afford the bill, she says. You'll get no argument from me, Gillian. Uh, thank you, Vinny. Vinny's in Dublin who can't listen live today, but he, he he's asked me to pass on a message to Peter Ebden to thank Peter for being a leading light these last three years and thanks for the great memories on the bays. He's a mate of Steve Lee, is uh, Vinny, and uh, many a good night was had with the gentleman that is Peter. Thank you, Vinny. It is time for me to take a tune. When I come back, I'll introduce our guests. I'll read some comments before I do that very quickly, and then we'll get Joe and Peter back on the programme. It's Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, brought to you in association with NutraHealth365.com, and this is Coldplay. Ah, we like a bit of Coldplay. Some labelled them maudlin, or too maudlin. I don't mind a bit of maudlin every now and then. I do a bit of maudlin myself. That is Yellow from Coldplay on the Richie Allen Show. I'm having some week of it. Don't, don't panic, everything is good today. I'm having some week of it. We had um, Hayden's uh, old dad, lovely old uh, gentleman, is Hayden's dad, took a fall on Monday and it, um, it switched the programme around a bit. We had a bit of a technical glitch last night, Tuesday, but thankfully that's sorted, so phone-in shows will be fine going forward. And for some bizarre reason, yesterday afternoon, I wished Kevin Barrett happy Thanksgiving. I don't know what came into my mind. Thanksgiving is in November, isn't it? It is, yeah, mid-November, late November. Kevin was kind of a little bit, um, he was a bit, what was he? He was destabilised, I think, a bit by that. I think he checked his calendar. He says, I thought maybe it was Irish Thanksgiving, Richie, where instead of a turkey, you slaughter a keg of Guinness. Now, that sounds like a holiday. Kevin Barrett. That sounds like a proper holiday, doesn't it? Uh, thank you for your messages, by the way. One or two of our female listeners are rolling around the floor laughing at Keir Starmer, the heir apparent, because Starmer referred to Israel in the feminine tense, didn't he? He referred to Israel as horror. This is Keir Starmer who thinks that women can have penises. <laughs> well observed, ladies. Well observed. Very well observed, in fact. On the who shot who, who shot who and how... Faisal says he's not taking anything for granted because there are many puzzling things about these stories. Thank you. Patrick cannot follow me on Twitter because he can't stand me. 
No, no, it's not just that. He's completely blocked on Twitter, he says. Not by me, Patrick. Uh, he says, uh, I, I always tell the truth to the best of my knowledge, and I know that the arseholes running the world are Satanists, he says, and not what you probably think they are, Richie. So there's nothing much more for me to say except I love God's people, or I love good people, especially those who are starting their awakening, he says. Thank you, Patrick. I love all of our listeners, even if I don't agree with them. And they don't agree with me. I don't mind it. Dimitri says, Starmer's wife being Jewish, he presumably converted when he married, as is the custom. That's not the custom, Dimitri. I know people who married Jewish people and didn't convert to Judaism. So it's not the custom. He says that he sounds a bit snipped. I was snipped, Dimitri. I had that child abuse foisted upon me when I was a baby. Uh, You know, with with no anaesthetic. When I was a baby, I was taken into, I was taken back to hospital. I'm reliably informed by my aunties when I was, um, I think, a, a couple of months old. And they did the circumcision on the BPG. Yeah. Yeah, I must have screamed the place down. That must stay with you, that trauma. It must do. That must be why I'm such a contrarian, curmudgeonly old bastard. It all goes back to the circumcision back in Airmount Hospital in Waterford in 1974. What did you do to me, lad? You ruined me. Shall we get Peter and Joe on for a conversation? Let's let's elevate this programme. Let's get it out of the gutter. That's what I, I think we should do now. Um, Gerald Salente tomorrow, by the way, and a lovely gentleman who works at Birmingham University. He's Palestinian. He's lovely. He's really articulate. I'm not suggesting that Palestinians are normally inarticulate or anything like it, but this guy is brilliant. And, uh, you know, he, he, he his name is Professor Kamel Hawash. Kamel, that's K-A-M-E-L. We had a lovely chat on Twitter the other day, and uh, I had to prove to him that I, that I had a few listeners. He didn't want to come on otherwise. <laughs> You're not one of these clowns on the internet, are you? I said, I am. I am, actually, as it happens. I am a clown, but I do, in fact, have a few listeners. But uh, yeah, he's coming on, Professor Camel, tomorrow. Gerald Salente on the programme tomorrow as well. This is a free, free speech zone. The Richie Allen Show, a free speech forum. And you know the phone-in shows, when I do the phone-in shows, they are completely unfiltered. We take the calls hot on air. Nobody screens the calls. Maybe I shouldn't say that too often because you might get some ideas. But generally, when I do the phone-ins, I have no idea who's coming next. Completely free speech forum. Listen, it's a pleasure to welcome back to this programme. Um, because when they first came on together to chat uh, with me, the, I, I think on Podomatic alone, I think afterwards was fifty or 60,000 downloads. Massive interest in this subject because it's never been more important. Um... Joe Radley has been a full-time therapist since 1996. She teaches uh, healing. She's a certified healer. She teaches at the Healing College in Malvern. I'll be hammered if I'm wrong. Peter will hammer me. But I think that might be where they met because Peter Ebden, the great snooker world champion, who is a professional healer, earned his own qualification at the College of Healing in Malvern, which looks really, really interesting. Let's welcome back to the programme our friends Joe and Peter. Welcome back, Joe. Welcome back, Peter. How are you? Hi, Richie. Lovely to be back again. That's an honour, Joe. Great to hear your voice. Uh, We'll start with you in a moment. Peter, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Richie. Great to hear from you, mate. Are you keeping well? I'm keeping well, and you're busy. Well, I know you're both busy. I know Joe is busy. I know the horses and all of that, but uh, you're obviously smiling today. Jack Glazowski advances in China. You've been working with Jack for a couple of years now. 
uh, I, I was lucky enough to meet him very briefly with you. He's a smashing kid and uh, onwards and upwards for him, Peter. Yes, mate. He's a really lovely lad, really, really talented, you know, works hard. And hopefully this is going to be the season where he wins his first ranking event. Had a very tough match today against Sam Craigie in Wuhan in China. Um, And he made a fantastic break in the final frame to win 5-4. And he's been doing that consistently in his last few matches. So the confidence and the momentum is building. So I'd love to see him win his first ranking event this week. He's got a very tough match yes, uh, tomorrow rather against uh, Mark Allen, who had a fantastic season last year. Uh, Mark's not in the best of form at the moment, to be perfectly honest, but he's such a hard man to beat. It's going to be a really tough game. But, um, you know, I'd love to see Jack win tomorrow and go on and lift the trophy on Sunday. Fantastic. Me too. I'm a Ronnie fan, as you know, all my life, but um, not when Jack's playing because um, because of you and, and, and our uh, friendship. Joe, I'm going to ask you, um, I wouldn't dream of asking you or Peter to comment on what's happening in the Middle East or to come down on any side. I wouldn't dream of doing that. So that's not going to happen. But when I left our listeners know this week on this show that you were coming back, listeners who um, are healers themselves or who have had the benefit of healing, as I have had, thank you both, by the way, for that. Um, they've said to me, when situations arise around the world, wherever it is, where lots of people at the same time um, are, are, are murdered or they witness or they experience terribly violent acts. Does that do something to the collective? This is a great question. This came in for so many people. Does it affect the general energy of, of the world we share and does it impact on people's ability to heal? That's some question, Joe. We, the simple answer, Richie, is yes, it does. Um, any sort of conflict affects the people and the, the area as well that the conflict happens in. But there are also a lot of good people around the world, a lot of healing groups that send healing to the areas. Um, there's so much good that's being done as well. And I think it's really important to remember that and focus on that. You know, obviously we can't stop the negative things happening, but we can do our best to help the people involved. And to me, that's what's really important. Yeah, let's stay with that. Let's stay with the positive. Peter, I, I don't want to be bringing you in, Peter. You jump in any time uh, you want. Um, I, I presume you see it similarly to Joe. It is affecting things, whether we realise it or not. But it's being countered by lots of other very positive things. It, it is, Richie, absolutely. And, and I think the the perhaps the very difficult thing for people that are not involved in healing circles for example, is that they don't get caught up in the collective consciousness. And that collective consciousness is very powerful. And people need to be able to step away from the situation and to be able to understand their own mind and their own feelings without getting caught up in the collective consciousness, because that can be very, very negative and it can be very, very detrimental. So it's always important when these things are going on around the world, that yes, we can empathize and sympathize. And, you know, we can, it is natural to feel awful about what's going on um, in a lot of places around the world, but it's important to take a step back and and not, and and become detached from from the situation to not get caught up in that collective negativity. 
Brilliant. There's a lot we're going to get through now in the next um, hour or more. And already listener comments and questions are, are flying in. But I'm delighted that when I asked you both to kind of kind of come on in a kind of a teaching capacity to talk about things that, for, for example, I, for one, I'm not that familiar with, that I'm kind of, kind of on my own path of, of, of learning about about this and, and reading about it and experiencing it as well, which I have done and I can testify to, but I won't today, I won't take up any time with that, but an incredibly positive experience uh, with you both. Um, what are what are chakras? What are they? I, I mean, can they be seen? Um, have they been seen? How would you describe them? Because uh, when whenever I've mentioned chakras to people, um, it's been immediately followed by what the hell are chakras, Richie? I've, I've heard this before. Again, come in, either one of you, anytime you want, and talk to us about the energy system of the body and chakras. Okay, well, I'll, I'll come in for that, just to get us started, really. Um, the chakras are like spinning wheels of energy, um, like centres of energy within the body. And um, some people, if they're sensitive, they can see them. Some people, if they're sensitive, can feel them. So for me, I sometimes I can see them, but more often I can feel them. So if I run my hand um, over the front or back of somebody's body, say, you know, a foot or 18 inches away, I can feel these energy centers as areas where there's a lot more density of energy. It's a lot stronger. Um, and we work with these in healing as we do the aura, which surrounds the body as well. That that point about seeing them using special techniques or lights or, or cameras or um, um, MRI scans. I'm not being silly when I say this because I'm asked this by people, by people who understand what you've said to be true. Can they be seen? They can be seen by the human eye and they can be picked up by some forms of photography. Um, whether the energy centres are, are seen or um, identified in any other equipment, I can't say, Richie. Yeah. Because, you know, my training is in using myself as an intuitive instrument so that I can become aware of these things. Richie, Richie if I can come in there, yeah. there is a type of photography called Curlian photography, and, and it literally can see energy. And I think we may have spoken about this before privately, but if you, if you take, for example, organic fruits and vegetables, they contain a life force which can be seen through Curlian photography. And it's interesting that when those same fruits and vegetables are not organic, they don't have as much life force. Very For me, I find that really fascinating. It's more than fascinating, isn't it? So how do chakras then um, get out of balance? How does that happen? Well, life, basically. Um, so it could be for a whole host of reasons. It could be some sort of birth trauma to start with. It could be a poor experience, um, you know, as you mentioned when you were young about circumcision. Yeah. It could be any other form of surgery. It could be something emotional that's happened in somebody's life. It could be an accident, car accident, a fall. Even falls as toddlers can disrupt the energy system. So if somebody's energy is strong, often it can repair itself and it will restore itself over time. But not everybody can do that. 
they may have a, a weakness or the trauma that they experienced in their system may be so great that they can't recover from it without help. And those people are the ones that we tend to help with healing. I've been told before, maybe by you, but but I think by somebody else, that what we understand as conventional medicine can be incredibly harmful to the body's chakras. Are there examples of that? Are there obvious examples of it? Well, obviously, surgery can be very harmful. Some drugs can be very harmful. I think the difficulty is that the sort of traditional medical system doesn't really recognise the energy. And that's because most doctors are trained on cadavers and they talk about seeing bodies when somebody has surgery and not being able to see the energetic structure. And although that's becoming less common now as people are becoming more open to it, because the research around healing is very good, there has been a lot of misinformation and there has been a lot of people who just didn't believe it's possible to improve health using energy. Me too. I mean, maybe the first time we spoke, I look, I'm always, whatever I might be, I'm, I'm always honest. I used to privately ridicule the idea of distance healing. I used to absolutely mock it. Now, I would have said it to my missus, not to hurt her, because my missus knows far more than I do. And she's had great benefits from healing too. And because she's got a great sense of humour, she would take it from me. But I'm like, this is crazy. Well, I'm going to relax now and the healer is going to send healing to me and I'm going to improve. Absolute nonsense. Tosh was my was my philosophy, right? Was my idiocy. Obviously I know better and I'm speaking to two people who've helped me greatly. Um I have a I have a shoulder issue no more. So how because there will be obviously you know this, there will be people listening to it, they'll be enjoying listening to you both because you're very listenable, but they'll be thinking, you can't impact on people's chakras, you know, from Malvern, Richie's in Salford. How does it work? Well it's through training. So when we train healers at the College of Healing, we teach them to bring somebody's energy into the room to enable them to work with it. And within the training, this sort of starts off with people who have given consent, who we know about their history. And as the students work with the person's energy system, they start to pick up more and more about it. And we can give them feedback as to whether they're right. And so that develops their confidence in what they're doing. But the, the, the ability to work with somebody's energy is just through training. You know, it's knowing how to do it and having um, the belief in yourself that you can do it and it works. Yeah, it, um, does. it does work because it's not a placebo. I have I had a very serious issue with my right shoulder. So I had the usual. There's um, masseuse. I had a, a, a massage. I had sports massage. Nothing. And then Peter asked me, you, you might talk about consent and my consent is important as well Peter you come in anytime you want but Peter said to me maybe I shouldn't be I should have maybe asked your permission Peter before I before I said this I apologize if I'm um you know stepping on a toe or two here because I didn't not say not a toe yeah I, I should have asked you anyway it may have called but I should have done that but look um the cat's out of the bag now anyway so Peter's and Joe have given me healing and I do not have a 
shoulder problem, like a zero problem. Now, for those listening who are, like I was always very pragmatic, or at least I thought I was, um, it's a placebo, Richie. You like Peter, you like Joe, you wanted it to work so much it worked. What do we say to that person? One of the things that's blown me away, Richie, is sending healing to our horses. So obviously with you, you knew you were going to be receiving healing, but sometimes when we send healing to the horses, they don't know we're going to be sending healing to them. But what always surprises me is how they come away from the herd afterwards and look you right in the eye and say, was it you that did that? It was, wasn't it? Wow. I mean, how can they be so amazingly sensitive and knowing? It just blows me away every time. And, you know, animals know. I mean, if you have an animal in the room when you're doing healing, they watch the energy moving. And I just feel that we've lost so much sensitivity as human beings because of the way we live. You know, that's why we're not so aware of this stuff now. And on the... I'm just going to mention a um, friend of ours, Mark Bayerski, who's in Spain, smashed his leg up pretty bad, compound fracture. We all know sports, Joe, Peter, we know how bad that is. Um, within weeks, the lad's walking around. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to tell me that's placebo or wishful thinking. There's that, That's obviously um, his own gift and his own understanding. It's quite extraordinary, really, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, and, and just to go back to my own experience. And Peter, you wanted to talk about, I mean, you've got lists of testimonials. I presume many of these people were like myself. They were not convinced, to say the least, right? Yes, I, I think the really interesting thing, Richie, is that people's experiences when they're receiving healing and when they're receiving distant healing really depends on their own energetic makeup. If they're very yin, and by that I mean very sensitive and very feeling, or perhaps, you know, more like me as a healer, I'm, I'm very yang. But um, just to counter your uh, original argument there, if I may, and I've got permission to read this out, um, I received uh, this feedback from a distant healing session that I sent a young lady on Monday evening, and this was her feedback. Um, wow, Peter, thought I would write straight away. Straight away. Very profound experience. Never had anything like that before. I've not had much healing over the years. Just one crystal, one Reiki and one energy healer like you. But that was very different. I stayed seated throughout and was very comfortable. At the beginning, the energy was very soothing and I was able to drop down like I do when I'm having reflexology. So dropping down into a comfortable space within. The profound part was I could actually feel you work in on each chakra. At the root chakra, I felt like a stream of energy was being pulled out somehow. I felt the energy shift from each chakra. When you got to the heart, I could simultaneously feel my crown chakra tingling. When you actually got to my crown, it was very powerful, like the top of my head was missing and all there was was swirling energy. Can feel it a bit now, I'm laughing, wow. At times, I really felt like my feet were heavy and being anchored to the floor. I felt strong when you finished and getting energy rushes on my back. I know I said I can feel energies, but I wasn't expecting it to be that noticeable. Gosh, thank you. Really appreciate that. That's a beautiful testimony of that, isn't it? 
And I've got to mention for the unbelievers who are entitled to their opinion, of course, uh, Peter and Joe put us in touch with Sandy Edwards, who came on the programme 18 months ago. Let, let nobody forget that Sandy led the first controlled medical trial of healing. As far as I remember, there was a grant from the lottery, a couple of hundred thousand. They did it for two years in hospitals with 200 patients with long-standing illnesses and proved beyond any doubt that healing works and is um what happened then do you remember because i have the book here i've read the book but i can't why why did that not go on to be something huge after this incredible trial yeah it, it was huge richie because when they brought the scientists in at the end of the two-year study to collate all the information from all the feedback that they'd had from the clients that had received healing um the really fascinating thing is that approximately there was a, a one in 200 chance that the healing hadn't made a difference. So a very strong positive correlation between feelings of by the people that receive healing, they felt really good, you know, they slept better, sense of general well-being was a lot greater. But the really fascinating thing is that when people couldn't turn up for their appointments, they received distant healing. And the the statistical analysis there was something like one in 30,000. So it's one in 200 for a positive correlation when they received healing in person. But it was one in 30,000 chance that the healing hadn't made a difference when they were sent distant healing. Yeah. It's, it was an unbelievable statistic, really incredible. And it just goes to show the power of distant healing. And I, I believe that it's because it's, a pure energetic connection. Healing in a hospital, scientific evidence that spiritual healing improves health. Paperback is available online. I can't recommend it highly enough. It is an amazing read and it's true. Every word of it is true. It's verifiable. As Peter said, Joe, I don't want to go negative. I'm not going to, but we've got to talk about pharma. It's an amazing lobby. Do, do, do you feel, I mean, do you feel it over the years? Do you feel that there is or has been some interference, you know, this should have went somewhere. I mean, 200, you know, patients, um, the scientists at the end acknowledging that it was real. It didn't go anywhere. Is it because there are those who, they want to keep people in the dark about healing, Joe, do you think? Um, well, the results were published in The Lancet. So if you have any doctors that say they haven't heard of any research, then they obviously don't read that. Um, and that's obviously one of the main medical journals. Yeah. I think the easiest way to think about it, Richie, is to think about um, our bodies and our energy systems having different levels of density. So if, for example, somebody has a poor diet, uh, they drink a lot, they take a lot of medication, then their energetic uh, body is going to be quite dense and they're going to feel healing less. If somebody, it doesn't mean to say it won't work, it will work, but it takes longer for the effect to clear that density. If somebody, say, is on a very good quality diet, eating a lot of organic foods, doesn't drink, doesn't take drugs, then their vibration is going to be a lot higher and those people are more likely to feel um, healing when it arrives. 
Really interesting, uh, Joe. You're listening to Joe Radley and Peter Ebden. Joe's a full-time therapist. She has been since 1996, acupuncture practitioner, and uh, she's a certified healer, teaches at the Healing College in Malvern, uh, where Peter got his qualification. You know all about Peter's prowess on the green bays. It is lovely to have you both on today. Look at how quick it's going already. I, I do say this occasionally, but it's flying by. Sue asks a brilliant question. Could you ask Peter and Joe... How she says, how do we find genuine healers? Is there a list? But you could frame that another way. How do you know to trust somebody before committing yourself to them and giving them permission? That's a good question. Where do you go? Where would you even start? Uh, well, there's a confederation of healing organisations who oversee the training of, of healing in the UK. So look to find out where somebody's trained. Um, certainly I can vouch for people who've trained at the College of Healing, but there are other good healing organisations as well. So the minimum training should take, a min- uh, should take two years. So if somebody's just done a few short courses, a few weekends here and there, they're not going to be a properly qualified healer. So make sure that they've done professional training and then you should be in, in fairly good hands. Sarah wonders, is it mind over matter? And that's that's a very simple message from Sarah. Is it mind over matter? So is there some element of, I don't want to say the patient, let's say the patient, let's say the client, is there some element where if the patient trusts it and believes it, I'm not saying that the healing isn't real, I believe it is real, obviously, but that will go some way to making it a success, Peter. I think um, I think healing is always about self-healing, Richie. And what the healer actually does is help to channel or facilitate healing energies, the universal life force energy, the one energy that surrounds all of us at all times and that we are made up of, and to enable that person to heal themselves. That's basically, in a nutshell, what happens. I've got one from Isabel here. Could you put the following to Peter and Joe, please? Most people believe that the soul is in the body, and Isabel has emphasised in, in block letters, in the body. But I've heard that it is not the body which encases the soul, it is the soul that encases the body. And all of our souls, or our soul's energies, they mix with one another when we are close, which might sometimes explain while we feel good or bad about somebody, even if we don't know them. And ultimately, all of our souls touch um, each other, she, she says, which is why we are, in fact, one, and then one is in block capital letters. Who wants to unpack that one? <laughs> Peter's pointing at me. <laughs> go ahead, Joe. It's all yours. So I'm happy to answer that. I just wanted to go back to the previous question, Richie, and say... If it was mind over matter, then why would healing work on animals? Yeah. You know, they they don't think in the same way as people do. So going back, uh, going to this question about the soul, the way we see things at the College of Healing is that it's, it's tricky sometimes to describe this because it's all about terminology. So if you imagine that you have a, a soul, which is something that's quite large, and holds um, lots of lifetimes of experience. And when you come to Earth, when you're, you're born, when you incarnate on Earth, 
part of your soul comes into your body at that time. So you could say that part of your soul incarnates, but there's also another aspect of you that isn't incarnating, which you can connect with sometimes when you're trained uh, or sometimes during meditation. And that greater part helps to guide your life. We would call that your higher self. So the idea is that this greater part of your spiritual being guides your life in the way that it should do for you to gain whatever lessons you should gain and for you to develop and grow. So our soul obviously informs all the energy around our body and it's that energy that interacts you know, with everything around us, the people around us. Um, so it's not quite as straightforward as, as the question. I know, uh, I get you, yeah. I get you, and w something that jumped out at me there is we've all experienced it, sometimes feeling something isn't quite right, and not something vague, but something specific, and then we find out that it wasn't quite right. I read an amazing statistic, Joe and Peter, I think you you will know this, I think, but um, they... Somebody did a study and it was related to sixth sense, which I believe is tied up in your work somehow. Um, you know, that understanding, that kind of connection to energy. Wasn't there an amazing study done about plane crashes and how when you look at passenger manifests for plane crashes, planes that crash where people die, God love them, um, they have a higher rate of cancellations, a much higher rate than planes which take off and land. Now, the logical conclusion to draw from that is, is that um, people kind of feel or know energetically that something is not right, Peter. I think that's absolutely true, Richie. Um, and going back to your previous point as well, when we meet people, there is an inherent sense through our, our faculties, through the various senses that we've got, we, we know inherently whether we feel comfortable in a certain situation with people being there or if we don't feel comfortable. So that's something that we uh, have all experienced, whether you want to call that uh, a sixth sense. But we're receiving, uh, we're receiving information all the time from our higher selves. And that comes whenever we're out, whenever we meet people, you know, that's there all the time. As Joe explained there, there is always that connection. And the one thing that I'll add as well, when healers are sending healing to people, especially if they've been trained um, properly, and uh, I'm very biased because I think the College of Healing is the best place out there. The tutors are amazing, the people are amazing. And, you know, I feel very honored to have trained with the people at the College of Healing. It's just an amazing thing. And the healing always comes through a person's, through the healer's higher self, bringing the energy down, that universal life force energy, uh, unconditional love, if you want to call it that, because that's what it is, basically, in a nutshell. And it's always for the recipient's highest and greatest good. Lovely stuff. Peter, this is great. Joe, thanks very much for being on the programme. We've got a, We've got Michael. We've heard from a few ladies. So Michael says, great show this. Thanks, Peter and Joe. Define drugs, please. I don't, I don't know where we're going to go with this. But you obviously talked about how you're going to be in a lower state of vibration if you're drinking and, and taking drugs. I, I, maybe I'm reading into this, but maybe he's... But he just says define drugs, please. I don't know if psychedelic things are 
you know, ayahuasca, any of that. I don't know what he's talking about. But by drugs, do we mean addictive drugs that leave you feeling pretty lousy afterwards and bring you down? Is that what we mean? I, I was meaning any drugs. You know, if you're taking even something simple like a lot of paracetamol, that will affect your energetic system. So all drugs, so it doesn't matter whether they're legal or illegal, um, drugs will affect your energy. I think the, the an important point to make, Richie, is that if people use recreational drugs, which affects their state of consciousness, there is a natural defense mechanism that everybody has got. You know, some people might call it a guardian angel, but we we do have free choice. We have free will. And whereas in normal circumstances, people would be protected from, say, negative energies to a certain extent, if through their free choice, if through their free will, they decide to change their consciousness, that level of protection, in my experience, is not there anymore. And that's when people can get into trouble. And you find a lot of people that have mental problems of, you know, abused alcohol or abused drugs, it then makes it necessary, in my honest opinion, for that person to see a professional healer, to have energies removed from them so that they can be more like their authentic self. Peter, Joe, we're going to take a very quick 30 seconds. You're going to grab a sup of water. It'll only be 30 seconds before we come back. Joe Radley and Peter Ebden are our guests. I have a lovely comment and a question from Sandrine to read out to you. And um, I love saying this. I don't say this to brag. There's no bragging in it. You've known me too long, Peter. Um, 351 messages have come in since you've been on. It's wonderful, this, isn't it? I can feel it. Right, Peter and Joe are staying with us. The programme this week is sponsored by NutraHealth365.com. Back in 30 seconds with Peter and Joe. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. (laughs) A robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. We are joined today. It's lovely. It's a lovely change of pace, but that sounds patronising like, you know, this is no, this is very serious as well. It's never been more serious, but it's nice not to be talking about, you know, death and destruction. It's nice to be talking about life, isn't it? Um, Joe Radley is a certified healer, teaches at the Healing College in Malvern. She's more than that, we've already mentioned. Uh, it's where Peter got his qualification, former world champion and UK champion these days, uh, mentoring some terrific players, including Jack Lazowski. Welcome back, both lovely. It's so lovely to have you on. It sounds kind of fake when I say that, but it isn't. Um, it's wonderful, it really is. Sandrine has been in touch. This is gorgeous. Richie, I love it tonight. We can hear the peace and balance in Joe's voice and Peter's voice. On what Joe said, it makes total sense that only a part of your soul incarnates the body and another part guides you. So, by this logic, asks Sandrine, can we then imagine that our soul could incarnate in one more 
uh, it, sorry, could incarnate in more than one body at a time? Great question. I think that's possible. Um, it's not something that I can say definitely, yes, it does happen or no, it doesn't. Um, but I think it is possible, yes. That question um, reminds me, Richie, and I think we may have spoken about this before. It reminds me of um, Dr. Ian Stevenson, who wrote a fantastic book called Children Who Remember Past Lives. And that was an amazing book. And children up to the age of six, you know, this, this is obviously we're talking about reincarnation now. Um, there are so many examples of children around the world who remember past lives. Um, and generally that tends to change, uh, according to his research anyway, um, when the child reaches the age of six, it's almost like they have a memory of their previous lives that is then sometimes lost or perhaps conditioned out of them as they grow older and go through education. I saw a documentary once and I saw a movie. I'm not confusing them, Joe, just what Peter said there. But it was about a young, a teenager or a preteen, maybe a teenager, who um, who found his or her, I think it was his mother in the present day, but his mother in his previous life. So a baby, a, a young child had died and then had to have been reincarnated and then knew, knew enough or had a, such a powerful experience of memory that he or she was able to connect with um, the mother from the past life in the present day. God, I've butchered that, right? Because I, I just butchered it, but I think people understand it. Did, did, you, hear, did you ever hear anything like that? Um, that's not a film. That that really happened. I must dig out where I where I where I read that and saw that. But that's incredibly powerful. That isn't it? It is, Richie. And there's so much that we don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe there are human beings on another planet in another galaxy system somewhere. I don't know. I don't have the answers to that. But I think when you open your mind and you realise how small we are as individuals on a massive planet, which in it, in turn is tiny in relation to the galaxy we live in, and that the galaxy we live in is tiny in relation to the rest of space. How can we know everything? Yeah. See how we can. And if advanced civilizations, which are much, much older than us, if they exist, you've got to imagine that um, healing is a matter of fact in such civilizations, and maybe a far greater understanding of it than 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 we have today. We don't like going negative and that usually precedes something negative. But look, they're asking me to ask you. A lot of people are very concerned about mum and dad who had the jabs. And they're concerned about something that we spoke about last year. And I spoke about it with Mark. I think Mark brought it up, I think. And then I asked you about it and you attempted to dissect it. Are those who have these jabs, these mRNA jabs, are they reachable, if I can put it like that? Yes. Um, I see a lot of patients within my clinic who've had the, the jabs and had boosters. Um, for some, I don't see any changes in them. For others, I do see changes in them. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's all personal choice. So it's very difficult for me to say that 
you know, it was right or wrong for them yeah. to have the jabs. I chose not to, and I think for very good reasons. But, you know, everyone's entitled to, to run their life as they feel fit. And I know quite a few people who've had the vaccinations and then regretted it. But once you've done something like that, you know, that that's the choice that you made. And if there are consequences, you have to live with them. But for a lot of people, there aren't any consequences. It's just some people. Well said. That's right. Lots of people have had the jabs and thankfully they, they haven't become unwell. I love your attitude, Joe, not to be telling people you shouldn't have done this or, or that. We're all adults. We have free will, as you both eloquently explained a little bit earlier on. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised you are coming up against a little bit of regret. Peter, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same for you. You will meet a client who will tell you, I had it and I regret it. And then, and then I suppose you just get to work, right? I think, um, I think absolutely it's down to personal choice. Um, I, I do think that there are mitigating circumstances, Richie. I, I do think that the personally, it's just my personal opinion, um, that the, the campaign that the, the, the government put out there um, to brainwash people, to intimidate people, made it very difficult for people to to choose when all of the facts, all of the information wasn't out there. Um, and from what I've seen from the people that I've treated and we've treated that have been vaccinated, uh, there do seem to be recurring problems. And to be perfectly honest, it makes our job more difficult because those people that have been vaccinated more often than not, in my personal experience, do have more problems. And that's just me being truthful. Can I say something as well, Richie? For me, it's not, the main thing is not whether or not, whether they've had the vaccines or not. The main thing is whether their mind has got caught up into the fear. And that's a huge thing for people. The amount of people I see now who have mental health problems because of COVID and because of the lockdowns, you know, is, is, you know, really quite a big number. And lots of people won't admit it. But when you start talking to them, you can see how much it's affected them. And for me, you know, I think it's really good that people have all the information, but they also have to be able to step away and say, okay, I know what's going on. I know what these could do, but I'm not going to get caught up in the fear. So I tend not to watch the news or listen to the news now. If something comes up, I deal with it as best as I can. You know, if there's a, a situation happening in the world that needs healing, I'll go to a healing group and I'll sit there and I'll send healing to the best of my ability to try and help the people and the earth and the situation. But I'm not willing to have it, those sorts of situations thrust into my day-to-day -day life because then it becomes difficult to cope and I can't stay in that centred, balanced place and be a healer. You know, I get drawn into the negativity. And for me, that's such a dangerous thing for people, particularly if, like me, they're sensitive. Do you know, you've, you've, um, you've fired something off of my brain now before I come back with it. Um, collegeofhealing.org, folks, um, 
to check out the College of Healing at Malvern. Neither Peter nor Joe have asked me to do that, by the way. Um, but I think you should check it out, collegeofhealing.org, uh, where Joe is a teacher. Uh, Peter qualified there, Peter Ebden, Joe Radley. You know, you know when, we, when, when I speak to healers, which isn't often enough now, and I do mean that, we all we often talk about so we talk we, we talk about the chakras and sometimes and we talk about physical ailments but we don't often talk about psychological issues or emotional issues so give us an idea as to how frequent would it be now for both of you that somebody would come to see you because they've got an emotional as opposed to a physical problem i should have asked that before but but for some reason i didn't Okay, well, I'll, I'll start. I would say that the vast majority of my patients have uh, mental health or emotional issues in some degree, even if it's just the level of stress that they're carrying. Um, it's a huge part of my work. It's rare that I get people come in with just physical ailments. They might come in because they've got a physical ailment, but when you talk to them about their life, you see that there are much deeper issues that need to be dealt with. And it's interesting, Richie, because those issues very often manifest in various parts of the body which are related to those actual problems. Um, related and to the chakras. Related to the chakras, yeah. And I would recommend that everybody has healing because, trust me, everybody needs healing. Everybody needs their energy cleared, especially healers, because we see so many people so we're, it's recommended to us as healers that we have healing at least once a month from another professional healer trained at the College of Healing. And in truth, it's normally more often than that. You know, sometimes Joe might say to me, I'm not quite feeling right, uh, Peter. I had a long day yesterday. I saw four, five, six clients. Can you please clear my energy? Send me some healing at some point today. And that's absolutely not a problem. And I would recommend everybody has healing once a month. My honest professional opinion is that healing once a month is enough to keep a person's energy clear. And can I just jump in there just to make some of your listeners laugh? And sometimes I say to Peter, Peter, I think it'd be a really good idea if you have healing. And there's a pause and he says, oh, really? And he's doing his sort of single focus male thing, you know, really on it, on whatever he's doing. And you just have to give him a nudge and say, maybe it's time. And then afterwards he says, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Fantastic. And, and you, you, everything becomes better. You're a better mentor to the players you're working with. You're, you're a better healer yourself. Peter Ebden, Joe Radley are our guests. So look, there's lots coming in, lots and lots of questions. Uh, 400 messages through the app. I, I'm really delighted with that. Thanks. I'll get through as many as I possibly can. Look, um, I, I happen to believe that there is an energy or there is a movement and it, it works its way into people, various world leaders and various organisations. And it wants to take humanity to a pretty dark place, I believe. I believe it's evidenced by, it's obvious, I think. So it stands to reason to me that it wouldn't like people like you, that energy, and it might like to interfere with what it is you do. So not to get all, you know, Twilight Zone, I'm not, I'm not trying to take it in that direction. But is that true? Is that something you, you would feel and healers would feel as things darken and worsen? And I don't mean Gaza, I mean everything. The last three years, the, the kind of creeping totalitarianism. Would healers feel that 
would you feel that external pressure? Is there some force that doesn't want you doing what you're doing? Right, I, I can feel the energy changing, Joe. One's out, one's to the ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's true, Richie, but within the college, we always train people to um, set up protection around them. And if we're working with any energy that might be negative or difficult, we usually work in pairs, but preferably in a group. So if we were working on a world situation where the, the energy was very negative, for example, we wouldn't tackle it alone. We'd be working in a group of trained healers where there are at least six, probably 12 of us, and we would have half of us doing protection, half of us doing the healing, because that's the way we're strongest. So yeah. yes, you know, all that's true. There is a lot of negativity around, but there's also a lot of healers who are tackling it. You know, we, we send healing to the world and particularly to these, not to these negative energies, but to disrupt these negative energies on a regular basis. Amazing comments coming in. Patricia's been on to say, I think she's referencing back, because so many have come in now, I'm getting comments from earlier. Um, and this might have been to do with drugs and stuff. Patricia says, great interview. I think she's loving uh, Peter and Joe. But she says, for some, it wasn't about free will. Some were forced into it for different reasons, she says. Um, thanks, Patricia. We definitely take that on board. Um, there's so many. Bill says, Richie, I think we reincarnate on a twin Earth planet, a carbon copy of Earth somewhere else in the galaxy, not necessarily here on this earth, this might explain um, the par- you know, the paradox of meeting your previous life parents, etc., when you reincarnate, which is so bizarre it's almost impossible. That's Bill. Uh, June says, Richie, can you ask about children who have imaginary friends? Oh, I love this, Peter and Joe. Is it, is it just an overactive imagination, or could it be something more? June says, I can't remember my imaginary friend, but my mother used to tell me that I would even want my friend to be given a space in the car or on the sofa. Wow. Wow. I love that tune. So, over so to when, the... when children are younger, sort of up to the age of five, um, they're much more aware of different and higher vibrations than adults are. So often they'll see um, other energetic beings so a loose term I'll use is fairies because that's something probably people would understand. So they often see with them, see them, play with them, talk to them. But as they get older, they tend to lose that awareness. And so, you know, part of the journey of becoming a healer is trying to develop that sort of sensitivity again. But it's not something that you want to be happening in your everyday to day life. It's something you need to be able to turn on and turn off. And Diane is in County Cork, is working on a few things and and is getting a lot of things right but needs some healing, is in Cork. Where would Diane begin to look for a healer in County Cork? Uh, She asks. I'm I'm Um, guessing you're, you're going to struggle with this one. No, I think there is a College of Healing healer in Ireland and I think she might be in Cork, but she's on the website collegeofhealing.org. Diane, get over to collegeofhealing.org and check it out there. Peter, on the on the imaginary friend and where, where in some children it's so detailed as to make the parent think it's more than imagination. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say on that? I really can only echo Joe's comments in, in that 
young children are almost certainly more capable of feeling and seeing the higher vibrations that we, as we grow older, seem to be no longer capable of, um, you know, feeling or sensing anymore. And, and that is actually well documented. And, and that actually goes back to the book that I mentioned there, um, Children um, Who Remember Past Lives. And that was Dr. Ian Stevenson. So there, there's been a tremendous amount of research on this, Richard. Here's a, thanks, Peter. Here's one from Kat. Peter Ebden and Joe Radley are our guests, folks. Kat says, really interesting chat tonight, Richie. Do you know what really does me brains in when they say that? Really interesting. It's like it's rubbish every other night. Thanks very much, everybody. It's not that bad most nights, but it is particularly interesting tonight. I'll give you that. Kat says, um, I, I relate to a lot of how um, Joe and, um, and Peter are feeling, and they are eloquently portraying this. They are true empaths. And of, of course, the curse with empaths is struggling with absorbing energy, both positive and negative. Healers need healing, possibly more than anyone sometimes says. Cat, and that's just come in. And Peter and Joe have spoken about that. Yes, I, I've been told by many people over the years that I'm a curmudgeonly old bollocks, as we say in Ireland. And I am, right? I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm grumpy and moody. But I am an empath. And all I understand about that is is that I do take on the issues of others. And it's not easy. It's very, very debilitating. And uh, that's something you must struggle with. But I, I think you've answered and asked, or asked and answered that already. But a good point by Kat about empaths. Because you can be an empath and not be a healer. I'm not a healer, but I'm certainly an empath. I feel the things other people are going through. And it almost gets to the point where I feel like I'm going through it, you know. It's it's a very interesting point about being an empath, Richie. I, I would like to think that as a person, I'm very yin. I'm, I'm very sensitive. I'm very feeling. Um, but as a healer, I'm I'm very yang. So I'm very grounded. Um, you know, I, I really focus on energetic protection, and I seem to have the ability to clear negative energies, which is one of the courses that I attended at the College of Healing, which is a separate course dealing with negative energies. The interesting thing is, since I've become a healer, I'd say probably 80% of my clients have needed clearing. But, you know, that's not a surprise because of what goes through, you know, what we go through as individuals in our lifetime. But um, the part that I wanted to mention about being an empath is that as my yin side in healing has developed over the last few years, I actually can feel clients' pain. Sometimes it's not a good thing, but that's how my yin comes through me at the moment. I'm sure it will develop and it will come through in other ways, but at the moment, when I feel things, when we bring a client's energy into the safe space which we create before sending them healing, that's how my yin comes through. I actually feel their pain. And the important thing, Richie, is to have enough training that you know how to deal with it and know how to let it go. A lot of healers um, and other therapists get into trouble because they don't know how to manage their own energy when they're working with clients. And so if they're working with um, a client that has problems and they're empathic, they can often pick up um, energetic residues from that client which can interfere with their own energy system which is again why they need healing regularly but it is about training and uh, Peter's energy is much stronger than mine um, I had a lot of surgery when I was younger so my energy still isn't as strong as I would like 
but it's way, way, way better than it used to be. Um, and I'm more likely to get caught by something like that if I'm not careful about protection. Thanks, Joe. Here are two excellent comments. And, and then I'm going to ask you something about women. Why, why women are more um, open, not open, but more sensitive to it. We, we'll, we'll come back to that. Grace Ann loved hearing you talk about not getting drawn into the negativity surrounding the jabs. I hear too many healers, says Grace Ann, talking constantly about the downside effects of it and not enough encouragement to think better about it. That was really encouraging to send that positivity out about this. So Grace Ann, very happy with your um, comments on the jabs. And Steffi asks, you're going to love this, both of you. Steffi says, Richie, it's different this, but as Peter and Joe work with horses, can you ask them just how sensitive are horses to human energy? And why equine healing or equine therapy on humans has been so successful. And we've seen those beautiful videos, haven't we, of children with very severe autism who are completely non-communicative. And then they spend time with horses and it is like, it's like the rising of the sun, basically. It's wonderful. So who wants to take on this then? Why, um, how sensitive are horses to human energy and why is equine healing for humans so successful? Um, horses are really sensitive to energy and that's because they're herd animals that are designed to live out in open spaces and to be very aware of any predators that are around. So their energetic system is really well developed. They have huge hearts. They have a huge spiritual connection because of the way they would like to live. So if a horse is kept well, it's incredibly sensitive. But because of their sensitivity, and some horses aren't kept in environments or with owners that are sensitive themselves, some horses can be really shut down. So there is a variety. You know, not every horse is really sensitive. Often horses that appear to be very quiet aren't necessarily quiet, they're shut down, and that's the difference. Um, being with horses is incredibly grounding for people. Um, they open our hearts in an incredible way. And because they use nonverbal communication, I think a lot of people who struggle to communicate get on very well with them. They feel more at home with them. Um, and I think they're incredible healers themselves. You know, horses are, are so giving and forgiving. You know, often... You know, when we have horses of our own, we might be going to see them when we're not in the best space ourselves. You know, we've had a rotten day at work, something's happened, somebody gets emotional, they want to go and cry and the horse is mane. And the horses just take it, you know, which is just so incredibly giving of them. Um, and they're the most beautiful souls. And I know Peter wants to say something. Yeah, I I, I worked with a former uh, classic winner who injured a, a tendon, and um, I travelled a couple of hours to see this horse. Um, and I'm sure the owner thought I was completely mad when I offered to send him healing. But I went into this horse's box, and I cupped my hands around his tendon, and I gave him healing for 20 minutes. And he stood there perfectly still for 20 minutes while I ran healing energy through his tendon or to his tendon. 
And then in no uncertain terms, he let me know that he'd had enough. But it was an amazing experience. And, and I find that uh, even today, Richie, down with our own horses, that's my quiet space. That's my quiet time. That's my grounding time. That's my time to forget all of the things that is going on in the world and just to be there amongst the horses and for them to accept you as part of their herd is an amazing feeling. And when I'm with the horses, I feel as if I haven't got a care in the world and I feel more peaceful and more grounded and happier than I do at any other time. That's beautiful, that. Absolutely beautiful. It really is. My better half is in love with horses. I'm trying to get her to um to take lessons, but you know the the present is there. It's it's in the card, ready to be put in the envelope. But um she she has as of yet. Maybe when she's ready, she'll do it. Joe Peter, we've had a fantastic gag come in from Perksy. This is funny. He says negative comedy alert. What about the College of Ealing? E a l i n g, and then he sends the postcode pound sign one two twelve pounds. Ulez, <laughs> do you like that? I like that. That's very good. What about the College of Ealing? £12, ULES. That's about ULES. We're going to be talking about that next week. Maybe maybe only I found it funny. Nobody else did. Thank you, Perksy. Brilliant stuff. Um, ladies, our female friends and neighbours, um, are more sensitive and come to healing sooner than blokes. Now, Peter, don't just say yin and yang. Why? Why is that? Why do women get it? I'm going to hand that over and to you. Joe, yeah. <laughs> Stupid me asking you. Yeah, Joe, why do why do our lady, friends, neighbours, cousins, wives, grandmothers, why are they more sensitive and why do they understand it quicker than we do? Well, men and women are very different, Richie. Um, I know a lot of women think men are just sort of hairy women, but they're not. They've got a very different <laughs> energetic system. Um, it tends to be more dense. Men are mainly oh, thanks decided. very much. <laughs> <laughs> The energetic system, not not <laughs> mentally. Uh, men are designed to be hunters, you know, to be warriors, and so they're designed to cope with that sort of environment. Women are designed to be gatherers. We're designed to go out and collect berries in the field and look after the children, and so we, uh, our energetic system is much more able to communicate with others. So, you know, we just we have very different ways of running our lives and that's how it should be you know if if you have a a woman for example who's got to look after three kids and cook and you know go and get the shopping or go and grab stuff out the garden she needs to be able to be aware of all those things happening at the same time whereas a lot of men are single focused so that for example peter if he's focused on pedigrees or if he's focused on snooker he probably wouldn't even hear anything if I spoke to him. You know, he's single focus. This is what I'm doing. Whereas a woman isn't like that. It's very rare that she's completely single focused. Um, we just tend to have what's called diffuse focus. So we're more aware of different things in our environment. There you go, Richie. Not only can I not hear in stereo because I'm totally <laughs> deaf in my left ear, I can't multitask either. You can't multitask either. No, I, I agree with Joe, by the way. Um, look, this is not um, kind of going to make much sense to our discussion. But seeing as we're talking about men and hunter-gatherers, Joe, look, um, I, I do kind of worry about the infantilization, or I don't want to say feminization of men, but I, I like, I do like to talk every now and then when I want to unboard myself. 
But I like being the strong, silent type, Gary Cooper type, as Tony Soprano once famously said in The Sopranos. You know, I, I, I think there's, there's still a place for a guy who keeps things to himself, looks out for his family and doesn't get dragged down into this. You know, you must um, discuss your feelings all of the time. I haven't explained this very well, but I feel that there's a war. I'm going to sound very right wing now kind of on masculinity on men just being men do you have any sympathy for me joe or am i talking tosh as i so often do i do have sympathy for you richie and i think that's true i I do think men do need to talk but they don't have um the same needs to to talk as women so for women normally if we we talk to a man about how we're feeling the man looks to fix it you know, it's like, okay, how can I sort this out? She must need advice or direction or something. She she needs me to fix this. And they'll usually do their best to do that. But sometimes women just need to say how they're feeling and they don't need any action. And I think it's very different for men. Um, there's a wonderful lady called Alison Armstrong, who I think is Canadian, and she does um, courses on understanding men and understanding women. And a lot of the top people in the relationship field have trained with her. I did her courses a few years ago and it completely blew my mind because I never knew any of this stuff. I just thought men were like women. And um, it was quite an eye opener for me. And, you know, now having done the training, I see it more and more. And I help a lot of my clients with sort of relationships and things like that. And men are, are brilliant. You know, they're, they're amazing creatures, but they are different from women. Lovely. Thanks, Joe. Inga has been on. Hi, Inga. As Joe said, if you take drugs or drink alcohol, it is more difficult to heal those people. I can imagine the COVID jabs are included in that conversation as jabs are drugs. And as not everyone who got jabbed had the full dose, it makes sense that Joe sees some issues reaching people's energy in only part of the jabbed people. I absolutely loved Joe's most recent comment on fear. It sounds so true. That's from Inga. And Darren says, beautifully put regarding those whose loved ones chose the jab. But I always try to maintain love and empathy to those no matter what, simply to remain in a positive energy mindset. Surely love shines through dark times, even when we're tested, says Darren. I love that. And look, on the horses, um, beautiful, beautiful animals. I, what both, you spoke so beautifully about the energy, the connection um, with horses. I, I don't want, again, to be silly. I'm not being silly. I get that from, from dogs, my dogs. I, I, I feel that. I, I get such an amazing, I believe anyway, transfer of positive energy from dogs. You know, they say dogs are stupid. They love you no matter what, no matter what you do to them. But they're amazing. And um, I know it's not for everybody. I mean, not everybody can have horses because you need some room to have and care for horses. Of course, you need more than that. But but um, where you can have a dog in your life, I can't recommend it, you know, highly enough. I just thought I'd throw that in there because they are amazing. Peter, you know all about it, right? Yeah, I've always loved dogs. Um, you know, I know people that are big cat people. Um, I don't particularly like getting scratched, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, <laughs> I've always been much more of a, a dog person. And, you know, they become part of the family, don't they? You, you, you truly and genuinely love them. And, and they give so much back. 
they give and, and ask for nothing. I'm guessing it's the same with horses. They ask for well, they might ask for love, but but nothing back in return. Yeah, um, let me read a few more of these because uh, let me just tell you that you got to be proud of yourself. I don't think it's ever been like this before. Um, four hundred and sixty-six, four hundred and sixty-seven messages since you came on. Not since five o'clock, by the way. So well done. That's uh, quite amazing, quite astonishing. Uh, you're listening to The Richie Allen Show on richieallen.co.uk plus Fab Radio 2 in Manchester. My app as well, the other platforms. Uh, Joe Radley is a certified healer who teaches at the Healing College in Malvern. She's an acupuncture practitioner too. Uh, she helped Peter earn his qualification at the College of Healing in Malvern. Peter is qualified. He is, of course, a uh, former snooker player, a former great snooker player who's coaching some wonderful players uh, these days too who are doing very well because of his mentorship. We've got about five minutes left. Where, what do you want to do with the last five minutes? It's been great, by the way. Thank you for gracing well, the program. Richie, I'd like to say thank you very much for our last interview because as a result of the last interview we came on, we've actually had two people who listened to that show come on the Healers Practitioners course, which is a two-year course to become a professional healer. So there's a direct relationship there, which is absolutely wonderful. So thank you for that. That's amazing. Not at all. How are they doing? I hope they're doing really well. I think they're doing very well. It's, it's actually three people, Richie, and yes, I mean, the course is just starting, but yeah, they're doing doing fine. Thank you. Um, for me, it's it's not about people coming to the college particularly. It's just about spreading healing around the world because the more people who can do this work, the more people we can help. And so um, for me, it's about training people as well as we possibly can so they can go out and help others. So I can't change the world at the level of government or politics or stopping world wars. But what I can do is I can change the lives of the people around me and I can change the lives of the people that I train who then change the lives of the people around them. And for me, that's the way of making an impact in the world. And it's collegeofhealing.org. Again, nobody's asked me to do this, but I'm doing it. Collegeofhealing.org. That's where you'll find out all you need to know about the College of Healing in Malvern, which um, where, where, where Joe teaches, where Peter went uh, to gain his own qualification. I think it's a lovely place to leave it there. We're coming up to um, 12 minutes to the top of the hour. I've got about 60 more messages to read. Just an incredible outpouring of love and gratitude from our listeners gratitude that you've given us the time because i feel the last um hour and 10 hour and 15 minutes have been very it settled me down to be honest um i'm nearly six weeks back in after my holiday i'm talking about a lot of negative stuff i'm trying to make it funny at times and to lighten it up and to give some optimism but it's not easy but this has been a brilliant hour and 15 minutes so uh Joe and Peter, if there's anything you want to say, now's the time to say it before we do part company. But um, it's been an absolute tonic having you on, both of you. And Peter, um, it's not ideal it being in China time-wise, but I'll be rooting for uh, for Jack tomorrow, pal. Yeah, thanks, Richie. That's brilliant. Um, if I may, I'd just like to make one recommendation for your listeners that are interested in the spiritual path. There is a wonderful series of four books um, by White Eagle, and it's called Spiritual Unfoldment, and it's in volumes one, two, three, and four. Um, I've got um, volume four in front of me now, and it's called The Path to Light. So that's Spiritual Unfoldment, volumes one, two, three, and four. 
Um, very easy reading, but uh, very profound. So if people are interested um, in the sort of path that we've been on since training through the College of Healing, that's a very good starting point. Peter, I can, I, I'm, I'm going to have to give you a slap, even though I think you'd probably have me um, when I meet you next, because um, I can hear my other half. I can hear her, Peter, going online to buy these books. <laughs> so she's on there, undoubtedly. But um, brilliant recommendation that if I get a link, Peter, which I probably will do, I'll put a link to those books on uh, the podcast notes. Um, Joe, quick final word from you. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. Th- great to have you both back on. Joe, great to have you back. Uh, well, I'd just like to thank you for having us on and for everybody for writing in with questions and comments. You know, sometimes for me when I'm doing this, I feel quite alone in the world, you know, that you're there trying to hold the torch. And it's lovely when we see people coming through the college. And it's also really wonderful to know that there is the interest from the public out there. So what we're doing in the in the College of Healing is that because not everybody wants to do a two-year course, we're starting to run more sort of entry level days where people can just come along for a day and learn about some aspect of healing that interests them. Um, so there'll be more being advertised over the next year or so. But hopefully then we can give something to everybody. Thank you very much, Joe. Peter, have a lovely evening. And I look forward to the next time, whenever that is, because you're incredibly busy. But um, thanks for all you're doing and thanks for sharing your time with us this evening. Take care, Richie. Lovely to be back on speaking with you. Cheers, Peter. Bye, Joe. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. The great Peter Ebden and the equally great Joe Radley live on uh, the Richie Allen Show Wednesday's programme. I'll put the link to the College of Healing on the podcast notes and I'm going to ask Peter to send me a WhatsApp message with the books because uh, I didn't write them down when he was giving me the names of the books although as uh, I mentioned a moment ago um, the oft-mentioned El Frogo will probably have made a note of those books if she doesn't have them already because she's got a library of books on this topic and similar topics uh, thank you for all of your messages by the way I really appreciate them uh, Karen has come on to say Joe has saved thousands of marriages thanks Joe for revealing the mystery as to why my husband never seems to hear me when I talk to him I'll never be angry with him again about that says Karen thank you Karen Paul has been in touch to say Paula they've just departed but I'll put this to Peter um, later on or another time is it possible to give remote healing to someone they've never met before or would there need to be an initial meeting you've got to have permission from the person receiving the healing it's very important because I asked Peter to help a friend of mine and Peter said well the friend will have to consent to it so I can answer that part Paula but uh, I will put that to uh, to Peter thank you, really appreciate it now David says I get the feeling of peace with cats I love spending time with strays I feed but don't piss them off says David uh, and if you don't you won't get any scratches well Paul Ripley who's a great and dear friend of mine and Caroline's and is the engineer extraordinaire for this programme Paul is a cat man, as was his late wife, Maxine. Loves cats, does Paul. And he's got um, a, a beautiful cat at home. Uh, he, had a ca- he had two cats until recently. Uh, one sadly passed away, but he's got a cat at home and he loves cats. I love cats too. I really do. I'm not just saying that to curry favour. I love cats. We have had cats in our, in our lives, my, my missus and I. In fact, when we lived in Spain, we did. I love them. Yeah, I really do. I... I 
I love that cats don't give a shite. That's what I love about cats. And they run you, don't they? Cats decide when it's playtime and when it's cuddly time. And often you might want your cat, but your cat did, doesn't give a shite, basically. I do like that about cats. That independence that you get with cats. Completely opposite to dogs. Dogs are always there. I mean, you should see our two dogs. Our female dogs. Young dogs. They stalk my missus. They follow her everywhere. She cannot get up from the living room to go to the conservatory or to go upstairs to get something from the bedroom. They have to follow her. It's just as well that I'm not an insecure man. That I'm happy with the love I receive from my dogs. It's just as well. The programme this week sponsored by... Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at RichieAllen.co.uk. Great. Well, we're, we're nearly up on time. Gerald Salente will be with me tomorrow, as will Professor Kamel Hawash. I will speak with him previously to confirm the pronunciation, the proper pronunciation of uh, the professor's surname. But he's a really nice fella. I saw him on either the BBC or Sky and he gave a good chasing to the interviewer. You know, the interviewers, they do that thing. Will you condemn? Will you condemn? And he he gave it back in spades. So he did. He gave it back. Good o Proper gave it back. So I invited him on. We'll have a chat tomorrow about what's happening there. And uh, it'll be fair. I'll be fair, as I always am. I'll put the questions to him. But um, he was very pleased with the chance to have a long-form conversation. I said, look, we're going to have a good half an hour, 35 minutes, you know. So, yeah, so, so we'll do that. Um, I dug out, did ye get healed by Van Morrison. Thank you so much to Joe Radley and to Peter Rebden. Thank you for listening. I really enjoyed this programme. You made it too with your uh, messages and comments and great questions. Speak tomorrow at... I'll have to have some water. Speak tomorrow at five o'clock. Until then, did ye get healed by Van the Man? Van the Man didn't fall for the scam, did he? (laughs) 